Hi, fantasy readers. This is Corinne Norton, your fellow book binger, and you are listening to the Finding Fantasy Reads podcast, where you can test out a new fantasy story every single week to find your next favorite author. Today's short story is one of magic and mystery, and a healer tasked with the impossible. It's written by Ellen McGinty, who lives in the Tokyo metropolis with her husband, three boys, and a hypoallergenic cat. When not writing or editing, you can find her exploring the wilds of Japan with an abundance of espresso. I'll be narrating today's story, but make sure you stick around afterwards, because Ellen's story is part of a much larger project that has a special purpose I want to share with you. For now, please enjoy Soul Threader by Ellen McGinty. One thousand threads pulse inside me as my feet thud against the slick cobblestones, out of time as usual. I can't be late, not for this. Drums thunder across the mountains, signaling the arrival of Princess Kogane and the royal procession, two days earlier than planned. Mother will be furious. I've not scrubbed the slimy bathhouse tiles, wiped the windows, or arranged the welcome lilies. The last artisan who invited the imperial family to test their art and then disappointed them lost not only their rank, but their head. I round the last corner and slam face first into a wall of knotted silk. My sister's calloused fists grab my tunic as she staggers back from my thundering pace. Morel, she gasps, throwing a hand against her heart. Why are you here and not at Fever House? It's filthy. The prince, so it's true? I bend over, waiting for my heart to stop slamming against my ribs. The artisan hearing is today? Why didn't anyone tell me? Morel? Lala hurls my name like salt over her shoulder. Mama informed the whole bathhouse yesterday when handing out chores. Where were you? My gaze steals over my sister's tanned face, sinewy arms, and wide lips pinched into a familiar frown. Lala means well, trying to keep our family stitched together, but she can't replace Papa. I straighten, coming only to her shoulders. The breath I'd lost racing down the mountain finally settles in my chest, but I can't swallow the lump in my throat. Threading. Boiling saints! Lala shoves me with the strongest slant of her palm, her voice dropping to a harsh whisper. Are you trying to get into trouble? Threading the soul isn't an art you dabble in for sport. It's forbidden outside the capital. Papa was a threader. The words taste like bitter ash from Mount Kildar, the same mountain that heats our bathhouse and saturates the water with the richest quality minerals in the world. Iron, sulfur, aluminum. One day in the fever house baths and your skin is smoother than silk. Your muscles no longer ache, and even tiny scars start to fade. For generations, we learned to churn the hot springs, to cool the waters and spread the minerals with their healing properties. But some of us, like Papa, could thread the water, send strands of our very being into the boiling stream, and touch the soul of another living thing. Scars completely disappeared, fractured bones mended, broken hearts healed. But every thread is costly. Papa had withered away, down to his last thread when he kissed me goodnight five years ago. 
We can't count the threads of our life, but we count who they connect us to, he said with a wink, smoothing my wild hair with a worn hand. How I wish that I still had that warm hand to hold. Lala loops my arm in hers and tugs me at a run down the slick stone road wending to the hot spring bathhouse. Let's go! I race along the town's stone walls as thick clouds of steam rise like dragon smoke from an open geyser in the courtyard. Tears prick at my eyes, and I rub them with a bony fist, blaming the steam. I have to be a threader, not just of water, but souls and heart, like Papa. That connection is all I have left of him. The fever house greets us in its four-story glory of charcoal walls, slanted bamboo, and tiled windows curved like so many appraising frowns. I duck my head beneath the banner entrance, ignoring the empty carriages parked in the front courtyard. Mama's sharp orders bark from the hallway as servants scurry with practiced poise, hustling towels, baskets, and scrubbing buckets down the narrow passages. The warm glow of the lanterns carries the scent of sandalwood. You're late. Are you the threader? A voice shakes me like the autumn wind, cold and wild, a hint of laughter riding on its edges. My head jerks up. I'd expected Mama and her warm, dark eyes, but the eyes that light on me are pools of hazel milk, the unseen eyes of Prince Kogan. I fall to my knees, face smacking the floor with a too hard jolt. The prince? I'd missed more in Mama's announcement than the time of the royal artisan test. I'd missed which royal? Princess Kogane hadn't come but her brother, Prince Kogan. Your Highness, the words scratched my throat. Answer, he says, a pinch of desperation in his sharp tone. Are you the threader? My throat goes tight. Only Mama and Lala know about my threading in secret on the mountain. Had rumors spilled the edges of our small town? I can't be taken to the capital like Papa and the threaders of old. It would destroy what's left of my family. Still, a tingle of curiosity pricks my spine, daring me to look into the prince's eyes again. After all, the blind prince wouldn't notice, would he? But a slight cough from Lala reminds me to keep my head, literally. The art of threading is ancient, your majesty, Mama says, her voice a note higher than usual. None practice it anymore, but there are healing qualities in our waters. Whispers reach every corner of a kingdom, the prince says ruefully. There is a threader still practicing in secret, and I've traveled a long way to observe this ancient art. My inspector will relay the terms. An attendant at the prince's side steps forward. The artisans of Fever House claim to possess miracles in their waters, he drones. We have dozens of requests from hot spring houses claiming such wonders, but none have succeeded in becoming a cultural heritage, a title worth more than a hundred years of the state's financing. It's an honor to care for a place of miracles that is, if such things truly exist. Prince Kogan will accept proof of your family's art with a demonstration. The healing of his eyes. Heal his eyes? 
How many threads would that take? Could it even be done? Blood sinks to my trembling legs, going numb against the wooden floor. My eyes snap to the twisted scars marring the prince's face, hidden beneath long bangs and the shadows of the hall. Begin now, the prince commands, a tick in his rough jaw. The dim amber glow of lamplight catches dozens of tiny scars along his neck and jawline, as if he'd insisted on shaving himself with an unsteady hand. My gaze lingers, traveling to the jagged pink web across his brow. I'd been nine, the same age as the prince, when rumor of his accident flooded the village. The spoiled child was terrorizing the kitchen staff when a vat of boiling water fell. A thick finger thumps my back, reminding me to stand. I jump to attention, eyes searching for Mama and Lala, but they're already leading the prince's reception down the hall toward the baths. The royal inspector straightens, eyeing me with suspicion. I meet his gaze before turning down the hall toward the hot spring rooms, my face flushing from more than the steam clogging the air. Threading only works in the water when the soul is laid bare. Nothing foreign can enter the water. Soap, makeup, clothes. Dread and heat flush my cheeks as we enter the room of heavenly tears. Five tiered pools stretch up the center of an elaborately carved cypress room, steam curling into every cranny, the wood slick with white foam, and the hush of water ruling out every sound except the wild beating of my heart. Wooden dragons spiral across the ceiling, water dripping from their fangs. I'd always thought it beautiful, but now it feels like a trap. Heal his eyes? Threading for practice was one thing, staying connected to Papa. But healing this stranger under threat of losing our home, our heads? The royal family was supposed to test our healing waters, not demand the impossible. My eyes pivot to my bare feet, sloshing in the water's overflow as the prince enters the room, dressed down to a linen garment below his waist. Usually, we bathe naked, like we came into the earth, but the royal family must be an exception. The room stills as my sister and two other women lift wooden paddles and dip them into the water's edge with a hum. Turn water, like leaves of autumn roll into spring. Turn water, heal scars and eyes as we sing. I stir the water with a long cedar paddle, aiming a song at the azure pool below. Words roll across my lips, humming an ancient tune recorded with memory and kind eyes. The water churns against the wood, thick, unruly, Stubborn, like me. I grip tighter. The paddle is taller than me and nearly weighs the same. I carved it from the ruby heart of a cedar tree with Papa. They say the waters of Fever House heal people. Like salt cleanses a wound, the water cleanses bodies and souls, if the threader's song is right. But my song has never healed, not since Papa passed away. Images of the creatures in the mountains crowd my mind. Frogs with broken legs, a flying squirrel with a torn wing, the wild piglet with a broken heart that refused to eat. 
I'd sing over the open waters streaming from the mountain's side. But the threads of my heart didn't listen. The waters didn't heal as I spun them and sang. Likewise now, nothing happens. The water isn't healing the prince. His scars are more ample than spots on a frog, and more costly. Pink lines of flesh glow beneath the water as I stir my paddle, words humming across my lips. The royal inspector's eyes bore into the back of my skull, and Lala shoots me a pleading look. We turn our paddles through the water, distributing the minerals and keeping the temperature just cool enough so that the prince doesn't overheat. The minerals could help him over time, the water giving his body strength, but he needs more than empty promises. My toes curl over the edge of the pool as I watch the prince lean his head against the wooden ledge, unseen eyes closed. A twinge of sorrow ruffles his brow, furrowing the scars for one brief moment. His eyes squeeze shut as if to lock away the pain behind them before his face smooths into a mask again. My jaw clenches, locking away my own pain, the threads of soul Papa had spent in service to the capital until he gifted me with the last one as he kissed me goodnight, the magic of a soul threader. I focus on the threads of magic in my soul, the tiny parts of myself that I can give to another, to heal or to harm. The threads pulse faint against my fingertips, inking through the damp cedar board and into the water, tiny silver threads. Each one carries a weight, heavy like breath tugged from your lungs. Only this comes from the heart. Threading is costly. The magic that heals him drains me, so I must be careful. Something stirs in me, whispering that this should not be. Giving fills, emptying fills. Hadn't the waters of Fever House taught me this? Volumes pour from the heart of the mountain, ever warm, sanctifying our skin, our hearts, but it doesn't run dry. They say a black dragon lives in the mountain with a princess made of snow. She cools the water, he warms it, and together their breath gives us air and life. Heal, mend, remove all that is broken. I must prove that I can thread the waters or my family will lose more than their honor. But the scar tissue tightens, knitting the prince's shoulders into a hunch. He grimaces, resisting the pain and the silver threads. I turn the water, cooling it, mixing the minerals, willing the threads of my soul to mend like yarn. Let him see. Prince Kogan doesn't wince as the pink scars across his eyes pucker, shrinking and drawing inward. Pain ripples up the wooden paddle, squeezing my heart with the effort. But I strengthen my grip, my tune, the anchoring of my feet, and will the scar to fold inward until it disappears. I stumble across a word of song, earning a fearful look from Lala. Beads of sweat pool across her brow. If we fail the artisan test, we could lose the house. The spring Papa's family had passed down for generations, and even our lives. 
I sing louder with my sister and the others, steaming water folding over my paddle. Then, as the last ridge of wrinkled scar tissue fades from view, the prince slips down into the bath. His head tilts beneath the steaming water, bubbles popping to the surface, unconscious. I drop my paddle, breaking my song with a cry for help. It wasn't only his scar that folded inward. His heart had, too. Silver threads traveling inward, removing all that is broken as I'd asked them to. Why hadn't I sensed the real scar first? The one on his heart? The royal inspector barks out orders, and sentinels step forward, grabbing Lala and pulling her and the others away from the pools. I duck, knees brushing the slick square frame, and plunge my arm into the steaming water. In seconds, my hand is red and my arm burns as I latch onto slippery, smooth hair. Frantic, my hand dives deeper until my chin touches the water, and then my face submerges. I grab the prince by the arms and pull. I drag his limp form out of the pool and heave him onto the side steps. Water drenches my cotton tunic as I lean over him, listening for breath. Steam clogs the chamber, spiraling like a typhoon of heat and salt and sulfur. The scars on the prince's face are gone. Trembling, my hand brushes his smooth face and trails to his neck where I check for a pulse. His chest rises and falls, but his heart isn't beating. Remove all that is broken. Prince Kogan opens his eyes, blinking at the wooden ceiling dripping with condensation. Brown eyes like a dappled autumn forest find mine. Lips turn in a slow frown, his eyes, too, wilted with disappointment. He touches his face, fingers brushing across his silken skin, up the ridge of his smooth nose and across an intelligent brow. You healed my eyes, he says, distant, detached. The waters of Fever House have healed your majesty's eyes, I say, but I can't share in the relief that spreads across the room. Was I just imagining that his heart stopped, or... Water drips from my chin and onto his tanned shoulder, and I straighten, giving him room to sit upright. My heart aches as I stare at his eyes. Beautiful, like a forest of fireflies, and yet lonely. The prince stands, looking around the room, at each face, as if he'd never seen a face before. Never seen a smile, the twitch of laughter on lips, or the soft glow of a lantern. My mother nods approvingly at me. Lala's shoulders slump with relief. But I haven't healed him. I see it in the threads of soul that stitched his scars, that knit together skin and blood. But not the one muscle that mattered above all. His heart. Healing the prince may have saved Fever House, but it didn't save him. I curse my foolish heart as the prince extends a hand to me. Taking it, I stand, but not before snatching the nearest water ladle from the cold pool. At the last moment, I splash the cold water onto the prince's head. Threads of my magic go forth as I will them to unknit his wounds, to let them be open and free. Scars blossom across his face, blistering the perfect brow 
creating canyons and ridges where gentle skin had formed seconds ago. I'm sorry, I whisper, meeting his eyes one last time. His eyes shift from warm brown to palest milk, and I send the threads to his heart, asking the water to work its magic, asking for a deeper, lasting healing. Magic leaps to my fingers with the ease of water, like I'd seen with my papa, filling the need instead of covering the pain. The prince may thank me in the end, or not, but if I had to choose between my eyes or my heart, I know which I'd pick. Prince Kogan staggers backward. Guards seize me and pull me away, rough hands squeezing to the bone. My legs slip, buckling under me as I'm dragged outside beneath the setting sun. A cry of protest lodges in my throat as my heels drag against the amber glow of cobblestones. Please spare my family, please. Wait, the prince calls out, blindly bracing against the entrance pillars, a loose black robe thrown over his shoulders, bearing the insignia of dual dragons. His bare chest heaves, out of breath as he leans an arm against the gate, sweat glistening across his scarred skin. Milk-pale eyes search the sky and the misty courtyard before settling over the shuffling guards jerking me to my feet. Mama and Lala spill into the stone yard, falling to their knees before the guards and the royal inspector. Have mercy, Mama cries. The prince was healed once. It can be done again. No. My head jerks up at the crisp voice. The prince is now arm's length from me. He gestures for the guards to release me, and they do so immediately. My kingdom has many artisans, he says, his voice a welcome cold against my feverish skin. Artisans that sew living fables from strips of cloth, knead soil into richest porcelain, and now... Ones that heal scars made not of flesh and bone, but heart and soul. Fever House has earned its rank as an artisan of the kingdom, and a place of healing. I rub my arm where the guards had held too tight. My eyes fix on the cobblestones and the steam curling round my ankles. Everyone is watching me. Watching us, if that's a word I can use with a prince. Forgive me, the prince says, low so that Mama and the others do not hear. It's bad manners to keep you out in the dark. Would you like to go back inside? I've a question for you. You can ask it here, I say, turning my eyes to his and feeling the threads of my soul connected to him. How did you know? He pauses with a smile, all crooked and light-hearted, that it was my heart. That was broken. I almost didn't see it, I admit, thinking of how the worry of losing my family's fever house nearly stopped me from doing what I knew I should. Every scar tells a story of who we are, past, present, and future. My papa always said that it's never too late to repair a broken past. We don't erase the wound, but we fill it with good. The prince turns his head to the side, his smile fading like a distant ripple. I saw your face. 
I'm sorry it was not something grander for your first glimpse of the world. It was all the light I needed, he says. Prince Kogan offers me his arm. My stomach swoops as I take it, my heart pounding faster than it had racing down the mountain. I peek over the prince's shoulder to catch a glimpse of Mama and Lala gaping through tented fingers, though their jaws aren't nearly as dropped as the royal inspector, who's turned birch white. Together, the prince and I step inside Fever House, where we dine with my family until it's late, spinning stories and souls. At the end of the night, the prince takes my hand, enveloping it in his warmth. Thank you. Now I know that it's never truly dark, even when my eyes don't see. True healing and seeing comes from the heart, and the connections that thread us together on this warm earth are the strongest light of all. You can see, I say, meeting his eyes, or rather his heart, and the threads connecting us. The prince lifts my hand to his lips with a kiss, that radiates warmth down my arm and blossoms like fire across my cheeks. I can now. I hope you enjoyed listening to Soul Threader by Ellen McGinty, narrated by Corinne Norton. If you want to read more by Ellen, go to ellenmcginty.com to find more of her books. Her debut YA fantasy novel with dragons, lots of heart, and autoimmune representation releases in March 2024. Today's short story is one of many within the charity anthology The Sun Still Rises. The entire book celebrates the light found in dark places, just as Lonnie Forbes embodied having hope in difficult times as she battled cancer. All the proceeds from the novel go to Lonnie's family. So if you enjoyed today's story, please consider purchasing the book. You'll find a link for it in the show notes. Be sure to check out this month's giveaway, which also includes an ebook copy of The Sun Still Rises. You can enter at findingfantasyreads.com giveaway. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Finding Fantasy Reads. It lets you automatically download new episodes as they come in, but it also helps increase the podcast's visibility on podcast platforms, which helps both authors and listeners find the show. Long story short, it means the podcast can continue to give you more short stories for even longer. As always, I will have links for all of these sites in the show notes. Thank you all for listening, and happy reading.